before we get into the word here, I, I want us to make a confession. So there's a, a, another confession I want you to make over yourself. Repeat this after me. I thank you today, Father, that I hear your voice. Your spirit is flooding my spirit with light so that I am understanding your call and plan for my life today. I am seen by your spirit within me today the riches of the inheritance that I have in you. Understanding is coming to me today to know the unlimited and surpassing greatness of your power that is being demonstrated in my life today by your spirit within me I am being filled with deep and clear knowledge of your plan with wisdom and spiritual understanding in Jesus name hallelujah hallelujah glory to God and my prayer in my prayer time this morning, I was just praying. I said, Father, just let them get what you're saying today. Let them get everything that you're saying today. Let it not just be church as normal, but let them get everything and receive everything in their spirits so that they understand what you're saying to us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, if you would... Open your Bibles to Romans, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 9. We're going to go a, different, a little different way here. Lord, have your way. Have your way, Father. The devil wants to move you wants to shake you to the very core. That's his goal. He doesn't stop. He never stops. That's what he does. Years ago, there was a movie that came out. Um, and many of you probably, most of you have probably seen it. It's called The Terminator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And there's a part in that movie, and I always go back to it because I, I kind of put us in this guy's shoes. He's trying to tell the people of that day that this cyborg is coming. And he's in this police station, and he's trying to tell them about this guy that he's just going to kill. And they're just very nonchalant about it, like, oh, yeah, right, sure, sure. And he says, don't you understand? That's all this thing does. He just kills. He kills, and he'll kill again. That's all he does. K 
cannot get it through your heads? And so I kind of relate to him in us preaching the gospel to get people to understand how Satan is because he's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. That's all he does. And if we don't get skillful in the things of God, it'll happen to you. It'll happen to your neighbors. It'll happen to your children. It'll happen to your, your grandchildren. It'll happen to your great-grandchildren. So now is the time to start to get skillful. And I'm not saying you haven't been working on I'm saying keep focused. Stay skillful. Tune up because the devil is always doing what he does. But being passive as a Christian is not allowable in today's society. You'll be rolled over. You'll be taken advantage of because that's all Satan does. While you're being passive, he's attacking you. He's attacking your family. He's attacking your job. He's attacking your neighbors. He's attacking your kids. He's attacking the next door neighbor's kids. All while we're being passive. Why? Because that's all he does. That's all he does. So we cannot be passive. We've got to be aggressive. And the only way you become aggressive is you start receiving the things that God has for you. You're going to have to hunger after them. And you have to, you have to develop that hunger yourself. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. But you have to develop that hunger. Look here in Proverbs 9. It says this in verse 9, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Then verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. See, there's power in having a fear of the Lord, but also to go with it. He said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Having to be able to take that knowledge, that, that things that you know, and having the wisdom to put those two together to know when to use it and how to use it. I liken this to a story I heard a while back of uh, a teacher in, in, in grade school. She was teaching the kids. Um, um, they're counting. These are just little, little guys. You know, I guess first grade, second grade, something like that. And she said, today we're going to stand up and we're going to count to 100. And she started at the front of the class. And they, each child stood up and counted 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And they just went on to 100 and then sit down the next one. Did the same thing. Then it got about halfway back and this little boy stands up. And he goes, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. And she said, Joey, you're right. But that's the wrong answer for this time. You're right. What you said was right. But it's the wrong answer for this time. See, as Christians, you need to be aware of that. You can say 
the right, what's right, but it's the wrong answer for this time. What's the right answer? What you're being attacked with. What you're being attacked with. You just can't take the things of God and take a word of God and you're being attacked, say, in your health. You say, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches. Okay? That's more attached to finances than it is health. You know, what you said was right. It's the wrong answer for this time. You need the right answer. And that's what he's talking about here. Give instruction to a wise man, he'll be, he'll be wiser. Right? Teach a just man and he'll increase in learning. He's talking about increase. Let's go, let's go to another one. In 1 Thessalonians, look at this scripture here. 1 Thessalonians, Paul. talks about the, the people in, 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 at Thessalonica. He says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. So being affectionately desirous of you, he's saying this to the church, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our, our own souls, because you were dear unto us. And what Paul's talking about, he said, we didn't just teach you the good news. We taught you things that we had experienced. Things that we had learned personally from God. There was an impartation that we were giving to you. And see, if you teach a wise man, he'll become wiser. A fool will reject you. But a wise man will become wiser. And Paul was, that's what Paul was saying to the church. He said, we didn't just preach the gospel, but we, we, we preached our very own souls. How, we, how we, th we thought, what we did, because we loved you. And they grew. And they remained. See, Satan is trying to, will try to move you and put you in a place that, that, that God's not called you to. God called you to this place, this church today, for such a time as this. Why? Because there's something he has for you. There's something he has for you. He, he has for each and every one of us. Now go to Daniel chapter 11 in the Old Testament. And this is pretty powerful here because it's a, it's a prophecy that Daniel speaks concerning the last days, but it was also concerning those days. And he was speaking to the church, and he says this in Daniel 11, and verse 32, we're going to read a few scriptures here. It says, And such as violate the covenant... He shall pervert and seduce with flatteries. Speaking of Satan, those that violate the covenant of God, he'll, he'll, he'll pervert them and seduce them with flatteries, meaning make them feel like they're something. But the people who know their God shall prove themselves strong and shall stand firm and do exploits for God. These are people that are learning 
and growing and understand some things about God and how God operates through people. Verse 33, And they who are wise and understand among the people shall instruct many and make them understand. Though some of them and their followers shall fall by the sword and flame, by captivity and plunder for many days. Now when they fall, they shall receive a little help. Many shall join themselves to them with flatteries and hypocrisies. And some of those who are wise, prudent, and understanding shall be weakened and fall. Thus then the insincere among the people will lose courage and become deserters. It will be a test to refine, to purify, and to make those among God's people white even to the time of the end because it is yet for the, the time God has appointed. So we see that those that listen, that understand, and we take ourselves back <clears throat> to what Jesus said. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. All these other things will be added to you. Find out how heaven operates and operate by it. Then everything else will be added unto you. So Daniel's prophesying, he's, he's, he's saying that there's coming a time, those that will listen to God, that will instruct people. But even though they instruct these people, some of them aren't going to listen, and they'll fall out of sword. They'll lose their lives. He's not talking about unsaved people. He's talking about godly people. <clears throat> but those that will listen and will receive will grow strong. There'll be exploits. There'll be signs. There'll be wonders that are going on with them. It doesn't say the pastors. Or, it say, he said the people. It's not just the shepherds, but see, the shepherds are a divine influence. Because if you go back into Ephesians, it talks about the fivefold ministry, how God gave gifts unto men. Apostles, prophets, not all of them. It says some apostles, some prophets, not all. Some pastors, not all. Some teachers, not all. Some evangelists, not all. You know, not everybody that calls himself an apostle is an apostle. Not everybody that calls himself an evangelist is an evangelist. You could ask probably 20 people, tell me what an evangelist is, and probably get 20 different answers and probably most of them be wrong. An evangelist, a New Testament evangelist, one of the key marks of that is not just that they win people to the Lord. They have signs and wonders following them. Miracles follow their ministry. That's the mark of a true New Testament evangelist. Now, a lot of these others, that they go out there and they win people to the Lord, and you know, they get a lot of people born again, all right? They're exalters. And they're winning people to the Lord. I'm not, I'm not saying they're not of God, but they're, they're not true evangelists, they, even though they may call themselves evangelists. All right? So you have to understand what Paul was saying there. But he gave, it says, he gave gifts unto men for the perfecting of the saints. 
or a better way to say it is for the maturing or the growing up of the saints. Who are the saints? You're the saints. You're the saints. <laughs> if you're born again, you are a saint. You're, you're not going to be called a saint because of what you, how great you do here on earth and somebody's going to vote you in. No, no, no. That, that's religion. If you're a born-again Christian, you're a saint. So God gave gifts unto men for the, the growing up of the saints. Now go, to, go with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans 1. And, I, and hopefully you'll start to understand the importance of pastors. We'll deal with that first. Why and how God calls you into a place. And places are important to God. They're very important. <clears throat> Jacob was in a place and he had this vision and in the vision, a ladder opened up and he saw angels going up and coming down, ascending and descending. And he said to himself, he said, surely God was in this place and I didn't know it. And that's the, that's the case with a lot of churches. A lot of people leave places and they think God's not in it, but he was there the whole time because they didn't recognize it. But Paul says this to the church of Rome in verse 1. He says, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Now that word spiritual gift, it's really a, a spiritual endowment. And he's talking about imparting something to you to us, to this church at Rome, a spiritual endowment that would enable them to make it to the very end. And after doing some research about this, this word endowment is a very old word that actually is biblical um, um, basis, roots. It came out of there. There was a time in Rome where there was a group of young people and they, they were actors and actresses that were around doing plays. And it was a large, a large troupe. And after a while, their finances had dwindled to the point they could no longer do what they did. And they were going to have to stop touring in in that area, or area period. And one day, a rich person in Rome came and gave them finances that basically would never end. And so they came up this with this word, an endowment. That's where the word originates from. This, this benevolent offering from this rich ruler giving to this troop enabled them not only to do and to continue to do what they were doing, to do it at a higher level than what they were doing. And no end would be in sight. 
Before that time, they, they wondered every time they went out, is this the last time? But when this man stepped forward and, and gave to them that, that, that finances, they had to come up with a word in that day. They didn't have a word for it. And so they came up with this word endowment. And that's what Paul's talking about. He says, he says to the church at Rome, he said, I long to see you that I, I may impart unto you a spiritual endowment. One that's not just going to satisfy you, but it's going to take you to the next level, to the level you never even thought about. An impartation. And then he says this, he says, that to the end you may be established. And in other words, what he was saying is that not only will this help provide for you at a higher level, it's going to take you all the way to the end. The end of what? The end of what you're believing God for. The end of your life. <clears throat> and that's what I'm going to talk to you today about. About impartations. The importance of impartations that you receive, and you don't even know something. A lot of times you don't even know that you're receiving them. Because we can get so familiar with our lives that we forget that God's getting something to you that's going to take you to the very end of your life. And if you, if you see it that way, you can grab a hold of it. But if you don't see it, that God's trying to get you something to take you to the very end, it, it's not going to do you any good because you can't apply your faith to it. And you'll just be passive. And we've already talked about what will happen when you're passive. The devil will eat your lunch because that's all he does. He's just waiting and doing and fighting and coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back. So you see, you can't be passive. And that's what Paul was trying to get across to these people. He said, I want to impart to you an endowment that's going to take you to the very end. And not just take you there, but take you up to such a level that others will look at you and say, how in the world are you able to do that? About the church worldwide, especially in this country, you see discouraged people, broke, sick, weak. That's not God's church. That's not God's doing. Now, God loves us. He wants to help us, but we've rejected him. We've become passive. We've become weak. We, we don't know the things of the word of God. We've listened to pastors that aren't pastors. We've listened to apostles that aren't apostles. It, does, it said he gave some, not all. We've listened to hirelings. And what's a hireling? A hireling is somebody that, the only reason why they're in it, for, they're just in it for the money. That's what they're in it for. They're in it for the money. So if you're wondering about me, that, that, that's one of the reasons why I'm here. I can tell you right now, I haven't received a paycheck from this church in years. In years. There was a time where we, I could afford to take, and we took $400 a month for maybe, what, five months. 
I'm not a hireling. I had a church, a local church came to me and said, we'd like you to be our pastor. We've got about 30 or 40 people, mostly older people, and we need a pastor. If you just say yes, we'll get you in. Now, you know, that's tempting. I'm looking at a church of about like this. A church over here is 30, 40 people. And they, I didn't even ask. They probably would give me a salary of something. Maybe not much, but something. I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, is that what you want with me? He said, did I tell you to go there? I said, no, I don't, have any, I don't have any witness in my spirit to go there. He said, then don't go. I said, well, that's, oh, that's what I thought, but I just want to ask. So I told him no. Once a pastor starts selling his soul, and puts a price on it, puts a price, he'll start bowing to it every time. The price will come a little bit more the next time, a little bit more. And I've seen, I've seen pastors around here leave for more money, leave churches for more money. And I've heard that they've told me that. The reason, uh, reason why we're going to this church is because they offered us more money. Now that's fine if, if God told you that's a bonus, but if, what did God say about it? If he didn't tell you to, then you, you don't leave. You don't move. Who would like you to move? Satan. Why? Because God's got something. He's got something he wants to impart to you. He wants to impart to the people. So if the shepherd leaves and doesn't impart it to the people, how are the people ever going to get it? They won't. So see how cunning the devil is? If he can get shepherds to leave and not receive what heaven has for him or her, give to the people, the people won't get what they need, and what kind of condition are they going to be in? No condition at all. But Paul's saying, I want to impart unto you an endowment that you get all the way to the end. There's things that you can only receive by, not just by being taught, but by experiencing and being around people. And that's what Paul was talking about to the church at Rome. He said, there's some things, he said, I'm not talking about teaching you because see, he, he's the overseer of the church at Rome. And he's telling them, I, I'm trying to get something to you and part some, a spiritual endowment, something that'll get you over the edge. You know, we talk about um, uh, speaking in tongues and, and the gifts of the Spirit and things like that, but see, those things have to be experienced. And, and, and they're experienced by hunger. And you having a hunger, and you recognize that, hey, I need to be around, I need to be around a pastor that understands that and that ministers in that area or brings people in that will minister in that area. So I can grow in that because I need that. 
But we get, we've got lots of churches today that they won't even teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the power of God. And how are you going to operate in your life if you ain't got no power in your life? You won't. You won't. You can say the right things. You can take the Word of God and say the right things, but the true power comes in you seeing, and you can only see when you're around others that know how to see. And I'm not talking about with the natural eye, I'm talking about seeing the eye with the eyes of the Spirit. So many times over the years, I've seen God raising people up, but then they jump ship before God can even do anything in them. And they jump ship simply because the devil was able to dissuade them and move in their lives and, and get them focusing on the things that they shouldn't be focused on. Now go with me here in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul's talking about this. First Corinthians 12, 2, verse 12. He says this, he says, Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Or actually, a better interpretation of that is comparing spiritual things with the supernatural. In verse 14, he says this, But the natural man, or the fleshly man, receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And what you have is you have a lot of fleshly Christians that the things of God, they look at as it's foolishness. Don't tell me, don't tell me that you believe in that stuff. And they, and they really, I mean, they'll, they'll put you down because they've been taught in churches, not in the world, that speaking in tongues is of the devil. Well, I can tell you this much. I spent years sitting at bars getting drunk getting into fights and doing all kinds of ungodly stuff, but I've never, ever, ever experienced anybody in the bar said, hey, you want to do some tongues? <laughs> never happened. Because if it was ungodly, we did it. We never did tongues. So somebody's wrong here. Either tongues is not of the devil and it's really of God, Or these people that are confused about the Holy Spirit, they're fleshly Christians. I believe they're fleshly Christians. Because the things of the Spirit 
are spiritually discerned. Because a spiritual person will compare spiritual things to the supernatural. They have an understanding. Where'd they get that understanding? They didn't get it because they read it. Although faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, there's some things you'll only get through impartations. Now, John Wesley, years ago, you know, the founder of the Methodist Church, he said this, he said, um, impartations come three different ways. One through the reading of the word, one through the laying on of hands, and then the third way is through casual conversation or intimate conversation with a shepherd or with a minister of the gospel. And I've learned over 20 years now walking with the Lord, 15 in ministry, how true that statement really is. When I'm around spiritual people, when I'm around spiritual men and women of God, uh, there's things I, 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 I start, it's, like, it's almost like a camera or, or a, a screen is opened up and I can see into the, into the realm of the Spirit with greater clarity. Now, the more I'm out into the world, because you know, that's, you know, we still live in this world, all right, I don't see as clear. That screen becomes dimmer and dimmer. But then when I get around spiritual people, all right, and we start, we start just even, even this, as we gather together, because there's a hunger here, and that's why you come to church with a hunger for the things of God. You have a, you have a purpose before you come to church, not just to come in and say, okay, we get to come to church and we get to hear what the pastor has to say. No, you've got to come prepared. You've got to come prepared. You've got to spend time in prayer and say, Lord, I want everything that you have for me today. And if somebody's there that they, they need something, I, I, I want to help them. If there's something that I can do. See, these are things that you, you've got to come prepared, all right, to receive. But the more we're around spiritual people, there's more things we start to learn. We, we start to learn about seeing things in the Spirit. I've seen things in the Spirit in people's lives over the years and there was a time where I said, Lord, I'm tired of seeing these things because they're not good things. And when I say something to them, they won't listen. You know what his response was? Now you know how I feel. How do I respond to that? You're showing me things, Father, to help people, and when I try to help them, I say things to them, that the devil's trying to do this to you and they don't listen and then bad things happen. Now your response is, now I know how you feel? Because it happens to him all the time. I remember there was a couple here just a few years ago and the devil was trying to shake them. I mean, they were coming up with just goofy stuff. Just really goofy stuff. And I remember saying to him, I said, listen, I'm going to tell you one thing right now. The devil is after you and he's after your family. And I put a heavy emphasis on your family. That's what he's after. He's after your kids. The crazy thing about it was at the time they had, they had two children and they sat 
making a pew back over there. I stood him up and I said, the Lord says, this time next year you'll have another baby. And the wife looked at me like, oh, no, we're not. <laughs> oh, no, we ain't. <laughs> next, that time next year they had a baby. So they go through all this stuff, and I, and I said to them, I said, listen, he's after you, he's after your family. Now, I can only tell you what God tells me. I, I, I don't see everything. We prophet, the Bible says we prophesy in part. I didn't understand all of that. I, you know, it could kind of obvious. I mean, yeah, sure he is. But see, God was saying something more specific. Because recently she got pregnant and she lost the baby. And the Lord said, I tried to tell him. Through you, he's after you. But if you sit back and just take things not real serious, the devil's going to eat your lunch because he's coming back. See, you can't be, once you learn knowledge, once you have a thing, understanding of the things of God, you can't draw back from it. Let's, let's look at that scripture. Getting to what I thought I was getting to today, but that's okay. We just... Hebrews chapter 10. Now, we're not going to go there. Not Hebrews. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10. But in, in, in chapter 11, you might want to take the time to read that this week. They call that the faith chapter. Because it's all by faith. All by faith. By faith. By faith. Trust in God. Listening to God. Not, listen, not listening to you what you feel. Not listening to your fears. What did God say to you? It says, you know, in Hebrews 11, it says, now faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Yes, it does. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In Hebrews chapter 10, though, it says this in verse 38, now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Verse 39, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition or destruction, but we are of them believed to the saving of the soul. Now it's very important here that you see this in verse 38. It says, now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And it's, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But if I draw back, his soul is not going to have any pleasure in me. What you start to see is, basically, God is telling you that if you draw back, you're going to have a great effect 
on his faith in your life. Because the only way I can please him, and I've taught this for years, the only way I can receive from heaven is by faith. That's the only way I'm going to receive from the Father is by faith. But if I draw back my faith, he's going to, he, his pleasure is withdrawn from the situation. Why? Because without faith, I can't please him. Without faith, I can't receive from him. But if I draw back, and, he, and, 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 and Paul says here, unto perdition, that word perdition, it means destruction. That's what the Israelites did when they got out in the desert. You know, he was trying to teach him about faith, trying to get him to, to follow him and listen to him. And what did they do? They drew back into perdition. And as a result, only Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb went in. Everybody else, they had to, he had to wait for, God had to wait for them to die off. They couldn't go in. Because they wouldn't trust him. So he says here, he says, we're not going to be like those that draw back into perdition. We're not even going to think about that. And that, that word here, I looked it up, it says no pleasure. His soul will have no pleasure in them. And the Hebrew, the Greek meaning of that is to sanction, to approve. Well, you know, sanction, to be sanctioned by God is everything. If God hasn't sanctioned you or approved you, everything that you're doing, is, it's for nothing. Think about it in these terms. When NASCAR has a race, okay, and they do like the, the Daytona 500, all right, that race is sanctified by NASCAR. It means it's approved by NASCAR. That means they've met certain things and it's done a certain way and, uh, they, and they've got a tradition that, that this is the way things are done. So NASCAR sanctifies that. They approve it. Otherwise, these boys would just get together and say, hey, let's go over here and let's have a race over here. We don't care about NASCAR sanctifying it. Well, we're going to do it outside of NASCAR. If we do it outside of NASCAR, guess what? We don't have everything that NASCAR has. We don't have the TV rights. We don't have the financial backing. We're going to have to do this at a lot cheaper expense. And guess what? Whatever we do, NASCAR will never look at it and say, we, we credit you with that win over in that race. When you start to see that this way, sanction, how when we draw back from God and see... That's what Satan is after, is to try to get Christians to draw back. Because when they draw back away from the things of God, it's going to affect their faith completely. And they don't see it because they've never been taught this. My people are destroyed for two reasons. A lack of knowledge, and they reject it. You've got to get around godly people. I'm going to close with this one scripture here, but we're not going to go there. I'm just going to talk about it. There's a scripture in Luke where Jesus comes to the disciples, because we're going to take communion. He comes to the disciples and he says, Who do men say that I am? 
And they start coming up with ideas. Some say you're Elijah, Elias. And then he looks at Peter. He says, who do you say that I am? He says, you're, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Pete, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. But my Father who is in heaven, he's the one that revealed that to you. Now ask yourself this question. How did Peter get that revelation from the Father in heaven? He got it because he was around Jesus. And he saw how Jesus got revelation from the Father in heaven. And there was an impartation that Peter received from Jesus. And Jesus said, My Father who is in heaven revealed that to you. And upon that rock, Peter, that revelation of you getting an impartation from me and seeing how to talk to the Father, how to communicate to heaven, that's what I'm going to build my church on. Revelation. Impartation. Not every church, even though it may have the sign of a cross out there, is a, is a church ordained by God. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's the truth. You've got a lot of people sitting in churches that God never ordained them. And the people will flock to them. They'll flock to them. Why? Because everybody else goes there. I've said this for years. If I go, if I go downtown Boonville and I stand on a street corner and I've got 50 other people standing on the other street corner and a car stops up and rolls down their both windows and says out loud to both of us on both sides of the street, which way is Evansville? And I stand there and I go, it's that way. And those 50 people say, no, it's that way. Who are they going to listen to? They'll listen to the 50 people. Even though we know Evansville's that way. I'm saying it because people are like that. Flesh is like that. Numbers put pressure on you. Well, everybody else is doing it. I, gosh, I should do, be doing it too. Nobody's doing this. Maybe that's not the thing to do. Maybe that's what God's in. You miss God. But you didn't just miss God. Your family missed God. And your family didn't just miss God because now the next generation's missing him. And the next, and the next, and the next, because you always have in church, but you weren't really having church. There's another incident. Jesus said, unless you drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, you have no part in me. Remember that? He says that to the disciples. And the disciples look at him and they say, Master, that's a hard thing. Eat of your flesh and drink of your blood. So he's talking about spiritual things. And it said they turned away from him and walked with him no more. No more. They walked away. And he looked at Peter and said, we can do Pete. 
you said, where, where am I going to go? You're the truth. There's not another truth in town. You're the only one. But it says they walked with him no more. It doesn't say they didn't go back and have and didn't have church no more. Oh, they went back and worshipped. Trust me, they went back and they worshipped God. They just didn't have Jesus involved because they didn't understand. He was speaking about things of the spirit. Unless you eat of his flesh, what is it? the word? Unless you take that word and you eat it, you devour, You have a hunger for it. Unless you take that blood and you drink of it. You drink of it spiritually because the power of the blood of Jesus cleanses you and washes you from all unrighteousness. I don't care what stupid thing you did an hour ago or yesterday or last week. There is nothing, never anything that you can do that the blood of Jesus is not more powerful than. People need to understand that. That's why Satan is trying to get to you. He's trying to get to people to shake them, to move them. And you'll, you will have to have a hunger for the things of God and draw near to the men and women of God. Listen to what your pastors are saying. I know I'm the pastor. But see, I would, I, if I was at another church, I'd be saying the same thing. Listen to your shepherd. There's a reason why God speaks to him or speaks to her. He says things to them that he won't say to you for very, various different reasons. It's not that he won't say it. Maybe he's tried to say it to you, but you're not listening. You weren't listening. Now he's got to speak to the shepherd. One more. You got time for one more? We'll do, we'll do communion. I remember. Go ahead and get your. I remember years ago, down in Atlanta, Georgia, I used to say this a lot. I don't say it anymore. The Lord said, you talk about that. Years ago, there was a, there was a pastor, well, he's still there, down in Georgia. Got a large church. And one day he got up in service and he said, listen, you people that keep leaving early during, during, at the end of service, he said, you need to stick around. Quit leaving early. You don't need to beat the Baptist to the buffet. There'll still be food there. And, and the next week he said it again, but he said it with a little bit more strong. The third week, he said it again, but a little bit more stronger. He said, please, just stay here. The fourth week, again, a little stronger. The people, they wouldn't listen. There was people leaving before. He said, stay till, the end, till, till I dismiss you. They wouldn't listen. The fifth Sunday, as he was getting ready to say it again, they heard sirens outside, police cars, and it sounded like something bad. Well, as they went out, they found out there was a couple, and they had three or four children in a minivan. And as they were pulling out of the parking lot on a green light, a semi come running right through that light and didn't even stop, and there was nothing left of the van.
And the next Sunday, the pastor got up before the, the church at the very beginning. He said, why won't you people listen to me? Why won't you people listen to me? I'll never forget that. Just gotta listen. I know that means inconvenient, making it inconvenient for us, swallowing our pride sometimes, and all kinds of things. But learn to listen to God. And learn that a lot of times He'll speak through the pastor, the shepherd. Because we live busy lives. But if you'll spend more time getting connected to the Word, getting connected to your shepherd, you'll start to see things too. And you know, I'm not saying this because anybody in here, but maybe there's somebody that's going to be coming here and they don't know these things. And maybe the Holy Spirit speaks to you one day to say something to them. Or maybe they ask you a question. Yeah, you can refer them to me, but maybe I'm not there for some reason. You need to have an answer. You need to understand the importance of it. You know, as we take communion, the word says, as often as we do it, we do it in remembrance of him. Father, as we take of this bread, we know that the bread represents your body that by his stripes we were healed, that, Father, you became poor that we might be rich, that, Father, that we, because of what you have done, we have the mind of Christ, so we know what to do. We should never say, I don't know what to do. I have the mind of Christ. I may not, I may not have knowledge of it right now on, the, on my lips, but I already know what to do. I just need to pray about it. And it'll be revealed to me. I know what to do. As we partake of this bread, it represents your body, everything you did for us. We do this in remembrance of you, and we thank you for it. Then the juice that represents the blood, the precious blood of Jesus that washes us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That Father in heaven, when you look upon me, when you look upon the congregation, you don't see our past. Because you said their sins and their iniquities, I will remember no more because of the blood of the Lamb. We do this in remembrance of you. And the word says, let the redeemed say so. Amen. Amen. Did you get something today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Well, Father, I call these people the head, not the tail. Above, not beneath. Everything they put their hands to will prosper in the name of Jesus. And Father, that they have the mind of Christ, they walk in divine health all the days of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah.